Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. With over 20 years in healthcare, Dr. Gray is a doctor of oriental medicine and holistic physician fusing Eastern and Western healing. Dr. Gray is on staff at Jupiter Medical Center and in private practice with an office in Jupiter, Florida, where he resides. Dr. Gray enjoys being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Baden-Baden, Germany, and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and Biarritz, France. He is co author of several books on food therapy and the founder of the annual Star Summit Talks at the Norton Museum of Art in Palm Beach, Florida. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray. Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health Radio, quality living with yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray. Thank you so much for your attention and for your love and for support. As always, we're on every podcast, but um, if you're listening to us live, we're on 88.9 FM and uh, NPR. And the, the thing I love about the show is the guests. And we're always, we have a new guest every week. And today we have Dr. Craig Robbins, um, Craig Robbins, MD from the Paley Institute, which is orthopedic spine uh, institute, which they do some interesting work. And I met Dr. Robbins through his wife, which we've had on the show, Holly, Correct. which is uh, with Sailor Physical Therapy. And um, and the thing that led me to want to talk to, you know, interestingly enough, with you that came up, I was I was doing a show a couple weeks ago with um, an osteosarcoma, okay, and uh, bone and blood, you know, issues with 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 children. Yep. And I remembered that you were a pediatric orthopedist, orthopedic surgeon. And I said, hmm. Let me reach out to him and see what he's doing. I knew you do limb lengthening and all this sort of stuff. And so that's what sparked this show, just so sure. you know. But then we were speaking before air, and I was, like, learning a little bit more. I was like, stop right there. Let's talk about it over the air so our listeners can, can learn as I'm learning. And here we the, are. The depth of, of how incredible you are. So, well, yeah. Thank you. I'm part of a team. Yeah. Thank we you, Dr. Robbins. Team. And thank you for taking the time today. I know this is a lot to, to squeeze out of your yeah, schedule. Happy to do it. Yeah. So tell me, you know, you were saying that uh, as a pediatric orthopedist, that is your primary. That's kind Correct. of... Correct. So, yeah. so my heart is near and dear with pediatric patients. That's mm-hmm. a, I'm a board certified orthopedic surgeon mm-hmm. in pediatric orthopedics. Okay. However, as part of my practice, I take care of kids of all ages, but I also get to take care of adults too. It's similar techniques and reconstructive surgeries that can be done in children and adults. So I'm fortunate that I get to expand my practice basically from cradle to grave. So most people think of a pediatric orthopedist as someone you would take your granddaughter to if she fell off the monkey bars and broke her wrist, or your son or daughter is playing soccer and they tear their ACL. And and that's true. Those would go to an orthopedic surgeon or a pediatric orthopedic surgeon. But at some point in time, a child ages out of being a kid. They stop growing, and then they have adult problems. So my practice is taking care of children with either problems they're born with, which could be a congenital problem, such as a, a rare problem problem where one of their bones didn't form properly or didn't form at all. And while those problems are very rare, the center I'm in treats a lot of those commonly. 
So I treat rare things commonly in my practice. But I also do what we would call bread and butter pediatric orthopedics. Your son or daughter walks and their toes point in too much, or mm. your son has a knock knee, or you have some pain in your back, or you have a bump growing on your wrist or things like right. that. So the, those aren't necessarily rare, and those happen in, in all communities Quite often, everywhere. yes. That was so, one of those uh, pigeon-toed, they call them. Exactly. Yeah. So that sort of thing. Mm. So. So I'm fortunate that in my practice I can do normal everyday type pediatric orthopedics, but I'm also in an institute where we do cutting edge, mm. quite literally, surgeries invented regularly at our, at our facility to right. take care of rare conditions. And we take care of rare conditions from all over the world. We're a destination center for those. Okay. Now, you've been with the Paley Institute for seven years. Correct. And when you started there, uh, if you could take us through a little bit of a timeline of what of what would have been some of the cutting edge surgeries then sure. to now? So uh, my my partner Jor Paley, have to give him a lot of credit for mentoring me and helping me get to where I am today. Yeah. He is thank you, Doctor Paley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he's considered uh, internationally and widely to be yeah. a, a well respected and and innovative surgeon, and he's still very active and practicing today. When I started with him seven years ago, there were two of us, and in the last seven years he's built this into 16 or 17 partners we're adding pretty regularly mm -hmm. so we're not just pediatric orthopedics we have spine we have pain we have foot and ankle we have uh, cartilage repair yeah. we have uh, all sorts of things so an interesting to answer your question an interesting take on cutting-edge things is there's cutting-edge technologies and there's cutting-edge developments in hardware let's say so 10 years ago, if you broke your leg, maybe there was one way to fix it with a metal rod made right, of right. some metal. And then five years later, somebody made the metal stronger but lighter or stronger right. but Using cheaper. titanium or whatever. Right, so, so that would be a technological or, yeah, breakthrough. Mm -hmm. But then there's also cutting edge things where you take something you've had and you use it in a unique or new way. Okay. So let's say you're using a device that does X and it's been around, but now you're using it to do Y. Mm. So is that, it's, you still have the product. That yeah. wasn't a new innovation, but a new surgical technique was invented. So, and then it's taking surgeries, anatomy doesn't change, but doing different things with the anatomic problems that somebody has. Mm -hmm. So to get back to your question, so years ago, if a child came in with a rare condition where they were missing part or whole of the bone below their leg. right. The bones below the knee are the tibia and the fibula. Mm -hmm. And if one or both of them are malformed or mal malshapen, the leg will be short. And typically the foot is kind of in a stuck down position right. where the muscles are contracted. Right. So in the past, we had techniques where we would put a device on the outside of the leg and slowly stretch things into position. Mm. So you would obtain a correction of the deformity slowly over time. Now, before you, though, and sorry mm -hmm. to cut you off, but yeah. um, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> It, someone would have just created something to fill in this gap that was an external apparatus. Correct. correct? Yeah. Right. So yeah. first, which because I grew up seeing some things. I mean, we all brace. have right a brace, and, and, and or, the one that comes to mind is like yeah. Forrest Gump. You think of Forrest, for the, I guess yeah. we're an, an older 
crowd listening to this, we know the movie, you think of Forrest Gump running and he's wearing the braces on his legs and then the braces come off. So, or if it's a malformed foot or a shorter leg, they would have put a big a shoe, shoe, like a high, with a high right. heel. Or, right, I've seen that. Right. So, okay. so, so I guess I should have prefaced with answering your question, I'm thinking of surgical intervention. Right. But not surgery isn't necessarily yeah, No, I, I fully get it. I just, right. you know, I want to put it in perspective for people because yes. we all, well, not we all, obviously, there's different generations and we've seen everything. And, and so my kids will probably never see those different types of external or, or, or they'll things. Or they'll yeah. see them less. They'll see them less. Right. Yeah. So somebody comes in and they have a short leg from birth. We'll call that a congenital problem. Mm-hmm. And in the past, there were ways to treat it with this external device that could make the leg straight. Mm-hmm. And I'm going back to your question a few minutes ago, what's a cutting or an innovative thing? Right. So cutting edge or an innovative thing is is we do different techniques now to reconstruct that leg Mm -hmm. and get the foot in a straight position. It may also involve using this external device, but the point is that cutting edge isn't necessarily just new technology, which is around in Mm -hmm. the last 10 years, but it's also new surgical techniques or rethinking a problem and coming up with a better solution to solve the same problem. I love it. Now, instrument-wise, to do some of these surgeries, are you also creating that? So, because I love that part too. Yeah. So, um, yes, I being we being yeah. part of the institute yeah. are involved in developing new technologies. Right. So, at our institute, um, partners in our institute have are currently developing new products. Some I can talk about, some I can't. Right. But an example of the most recent round of things that were developed uh, with help predominantly my partner Paley is an internal metal rod that allows lengthening of a bone. Okay. So for example, you're in a car accident and you break your leg, your thigh, your femur bone, mm-hmm. and it heals, but it heals an inch and a half short. Because it's, it's been sh- maybe it was shattered rather than a Correct. clean break. Okay. Right. So it heals and everything's fine and, and you're going back to your life, but you have an inch and a half shorter leg mm-hmm. and you put a shoe yeah, lift on. Limp and, and yeah, and then yeah, you take a shower and you don't want to wear a slipper. Hurts and yeah. So right. So you come to me and we actually put a metal rod inside the bone and break the bone. Mm-hmm. And that metal rod allows us to slowly add length to that bone. Mm. So if we need to add an inch and a half, we add an inch and a half. We need to. You add say a slowly half inch. because you also have to grow bone around this. Correct. Okay. So the technical term is called uh, is uh, histiogenesis. Okay. So histio is tissue. Genesis is making new tissue. Mm. So if I put a metal rod inside of your bone and the metal rod is attached to your bone and the metal rod is programmed to lengthen. Mm-hmm. one millimeter per day. It's about a 25th of an inch. Okay. So about one inch per month. The bone has no choice. It is attached to the metal implant, so, so the it must lengthen necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the muscles... The patient better be taking some calcium. <laughs> and vitamin D. <laughs> right, right, vitamin right, right. D and K2. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So the muscles, the tendons, the ligaments, they're not obligated to follow along. So the bone has no choice. It's attached to the metal rod. Mm-hmm. So the therapy and the after-surgery mm-hmm. part of the mm-hmm. treatment mm-hmm. regimen is one, part of what makes us so great because we're really good at it. We have a whole center developed to it. But that's what's really important. The surgical part of a reconstruction like that, adding length to a leg that's short for whatever reason, it's a small part of it. The real magic happens when you go home. You, the patient, are actually involved in 
using this device to lengthen your leg a little mm -hmm. bit at a time, but you have to do the therapy at home. You have to go to physical therapy, right. like Polly props to you at Sailor Physical Therapy, mm -hmm. but you have to do the, the therapy to make the tendons and the nerves and everything stretch out right. so things don't get stuck. Sounds like uh, a lot of work, but it's, and it's a commitment on both the physicians and the patients. Correct. And, it's, it's a contract. Um, and the supportive therapists, like Correct. you said. Like, yep. Um, Whole team. So, and then the Spine in Paley Orthopedic and Spine mm -hmm. Institute makes me think of the fact that you probably do a lot of work with scoliosis. So I personally gave up spine surgery probably 10 years ago. Yeah. I just, my interests were elsewhere. Okay. Um, in my early part of my career, I did scoliosis surgery and I took care of spine. Uh, I stopped that before I came to Paley, and so I'm more involved in limb reconstruction. Mm -hmm. But yes, we do have several surgeons and non-surgeons in our practice who help manage people with issues of the back of all ages, from birth through all of mm -hmm. life. Um, my partner, David Feldman, my partner, Harry Shufflebarger, my partner, Stephen Cantor, my partner, John Ashkar. Um, we have uh, Dr. Jafrida, Anthony Jafrida, who's a, is a pain, a physiatrist, a pain management specialist. So we have an entire team that helps take care of spine and spine-related issues. And the nice thing about having so many partners in the practice is nobody says you can only have one problem. So you may have broken your leg and your leg is short and it's a little crooked. So your knee hurts because of that, your hip hurts because of that, now your back is out of whack. So it's nice, you can come in and see us and all of us are there and, and we kind of self-refer to each other and you have 17 minds helping take care of you. That's what you need. Mm -hmm. Is there any application for what you or your partners or the Paley Institute does that deal with things like, um, not just obviously the trauma or things that are con you're born with, but things that happen after due to like we were talking about like cancer you know, yeah bone cancer sure so so if you want to think if somebody walks in the door and has a problem it's mm -hmm. nice to understand where the problem came from right for a lot of reasons if it's a genetic thing maybe you want to do genetic counseling and and if it's a child the family wants to know what are the odds or what are the chances this can go to another child, so mm. for family planning. So understanding the etiology or where something comes from, if you fall off the, the stairs and you break your knee, well, you know what happened. But, but if you come in with a problem, maybe you don't know. Maybe it's an adopted child. Maybe there's a language barrier, maybe for whatever reason. So if you understand where a problem comes from, you may have an idea of what would happen if you do something what would happen if you don't do something. We right. call that the natural history. Okay. So if I can't improve upon the natural history through surgical or non-surgical techniques, what am I doing for you? If I can improve on the natural history, if I can look to research and say, if we do X, you should get better in these metrics, then yeah, there, then there's a lot of things you can do. Yeah. There's obviously an opportunity here for patients as we were speaking off here on, on the choice to do things, right? So there, there's a necessity in which, you know, my, f my function, my quality of life has suffered because right. of this. Now I'm going to look for options and they somehow come across the Paley Institute. Right. Thank God that you're, mm -hmm. you know, available. Yeah. Um, and people come from all over the world under that idea, I'm sure. Right. Right. So we think of it as if, if you want to kind of make simplifications, mm. we think of orthopedic surgeons as taking care of disability and dysfunction. Right. Okay. Your knee hurts, your shoulder hurts, your ankle hurts for whatever reason or right. whatever cause. 
what can we do, surgically or non-surgically, right. or other or ways, what can we do to help you improve your function mm -hmm. or decrease your disability mm -hmm. or decrease your pain or whatever it may be? Yep. Right, so that's where you engage in a dialogue. Mm -hmm. You come to me and we evaluate what your problem is mm -hmm. and we come up with solutions. And not every person gets the same solution because it doesn't fit their lifestyle right. or right. it doesn't fit their desires. With children, it's a challenge. Young children, it's easy. You, I'm mom, I'm dad, and I'm making the decisions for you. But, it, but it, a cool part of my practice is, especially when we have these rare conditions where someone is coming in every year or every two years, and I'm following them literally from birth through adolescence and adulthood, I get to watch the relationships evolve, and I get mm -hmm. to see the four-year-old child who follows along because they yeah. don't have a choice, really. The parents are making decisions, but then they become 10, 12, 13, and watch how some parents invite the child into the decision-making. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you think? What are your thoughts? It, it's really an interesting dynamic I get to see play out over the, the course of taking care of these children over so many years. Uh, you know, I, I remember, um, well, how old was I? I had a car, I was in a car accident. I was hit by a car, actually, okay. so I was not in a car, so I was hit by a car. <laughs> and um, somehow the orthopedic surgeon I was dealing with said I also later on had a, a length issue and decided that he was going to do a surgery, which I found out later was for a time a popular surgery of manipulating the growth plate. Mm-hmm. So, so did, the, did the surgeon stop the growth on the long leg? I think so. Okay, I so don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not clear about it, but okay. I do know that I have this scar that, you know, um, and I don't know how much it did or okay. didn't do. So, well, are your legs the same length now or close? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. I don't know too okay, many I people that I don't know too many people that are. You know, like right. I don't. They're not like drastically right. different, okay. but there's there's right. definitely a there's a lot of things to like unpack. a half inch maybe. Right. You know, okay, which, so there's a lot of things yeah. to unpack in this. Yeah. So. Often, somebody will walk into my office all age, 14 mm -hmm. years old, 64 years old. Yeah. I think my leg lengths are different. Or mm -hmm. somebody told me my leg lengths are different. The latter one is great because it's a simple question. Do you feel like your leg lengths are different? Mm. I don't feel like they are. Do you have right. any problems or dysfunction? No. no. Okay, so does it really matter if they have a difference or no. not? Well, if it's a four-inch difference, probably we can predict that at some point well, you're yeah, going to have four inches different. Yeah, right. That's but different. if it's a half of an inch or yeah. a quarter of an inch, yeah. there's a certain range of normal. Right. So when we were speaking before this interview, you, you know, I was thinking what patients could I talk about or what stories yeah. could I talk about, but this brings up a great one. Yeah. So a young man in his early 20s came to my office two or three years ago, and he said, Doc, my leg is shorter. I've seen a few people and nobody wants to help me. They tell me to just wear a shoe lift and get over it. I can have much worse problems, which he agreed with, right? There's lots of things worse than a three-quarter of an inch difference in your leg lengths. The difference is he is a yoga practitioner and he doesn't mm. wear shoes. Mm. And this guy is barefoot every day. Mm. He feels great when he wears a sandal or a slipper to make up for the difference, but he doesn't want to wear a sandal or slipper. And he had a difference of about three quarters of an inch and we lengthened his leg and he was so happy, never wear that egg of their shoe again and he went on with his life. And so that that's an example of a small lengthening relative. We did less than a one inch lengthening, but I have just as many patients who had an injury and they have a two and a half or three inch lengthening. Wow. And they all get better, or hopefully they yeah, get better, yeah. but they're just as personally satisfied. So it's not the extent of the injury or the problem. A a grandma who brings her granddaughter in for in towing and I get to tell them, don't worry, they'll outgrow it. They don't need a problem. 
I'm just as happy and so are they as the person who has the trauma and we have to fix the broken wrist or right. they have a long drawn out process that takes 15 years to eventually correct by the end of growth. Right. You know, they're all rewarding for me and for them, hopefully. Mm -hmm. But to get back to yours, so if you think you have a difference and it affects you, yeah, we would talk about options. Maybe it's a shoe lift, maybe it's, uh, and you're done growing, you don't really have more options than that. Yeah. But if you're a growing child, then yeah, we can manipulate the growth plate. Right. So I, I think about it in categories, we can make the short leg longer by whatever means, we can make the long leg shorter, like actually take a piece of bone out, or we can tell the long leg if it's still growing, slow down growth mm -hmm. or stop growth and that gives the other leg a chance to catch up. I can't tell you all my secrets how we do it because, you know. Yeah, <laughs> gotta there's got to be some magic. <laughs> so, and that leads me to the flip side of what you and the Paley Institute does, which is um, I'm sure there's a considerable amount, like in all surgeries, of elective, right? Correct. This is cosmetic. This is something I want to do. Not that I have to do, right. but can you do this for me because I am unsatisfied with this image right. of myself. So, so... So when we use the term elective and cosmetic, I'm going to immediately go away from insurance and cost and things like that because right. that doesn't interest me. Right. If you come to me and you have a problem, the question is, do I have a solution, whether it's surgical or non-surgical? Right. So you may be somebody who's five foot two inches and you're a male and you have some internal, truly not debilitating, but psychologically bothersome problem with your height. And, and there's a term for that called height dysphoria. Okay. So you come to me and you're five foot two and it really, it, it bothers you. It's like an excessive, obsessive compulsion that you're affected by your height. You don't go outside, you don't interact with your friends, you don't babysit your nephews anymore because they're taller than you. And, and all of these things have come into my office. Yes, we can talk about doing an elective procedure mm. to make your legs longer, one inch longer, two inch longer, three inch longer, we, whatever the recipe is we come up with, yes, we can do that, which is different than when we're talking about you where you feel your leg length is different and you're having a problem right. as a result of it. Right. So in that sense, me personally, my practice sort of straddles two worlds. One is the cosmetic right. side. Like Image-based. You think of yeah. the plastic surgery mm -hmm. side. And that's a challenge because it's not somebody coming with a physical disability or impairment, right. like your granddaughter who broke her elbow or mm -hmm. you break your knee. Yeah. It's somebody who's coming to you of normal body, right. but they're having the psychological problem. Yes. So that's a whole different conversation and, and definitely one ripe for controversy. And, there, and there's yeah. a lot of it of should we as at least me, an orthopedic surgeon, be taking somebody and doing a cosmetic procedure to make them taller. Right. And I'm not going to go into all the, the controversy of it, but suffice to say, it does exist. Yeah. It's an extension of if you can take a child or an adult with a short, crooked leg from whatever problem and make that straight and out to length, you certainly can take a normal straight bone and make that longer. What about cosmetics for sports? Like, oh, I want a longer arm so I could throw a okay. faster pitch or something. <laughs> Great question. So, so we do have people coming to us from all over the world, mm -hmm. and we're very quick to say we're doing this for the psychosocial reasons that it affects you. Mm -hmm. This is not going to make you a better basketball player. Mm -hmm. This is not going to make you, you don't a better even jumper. play that game or, no. or yeah, play is, into it that. It is not for aspect. that. Yeah. Correct. 
Yeah, that, it's smart because I can only imagine what that what kind of kind of warms out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's an it's an interesting thing, and and so to back to your question from earlier about how technology has changed. So, so the device we use this internal lengthening mm-hmm. rod that allows we think and in our hands safe lengthening is different than in the old days when it was an external device that was attached on the outside of mm. your leg with nuts and bolts and wires and things that went through your muscles and skin. Sure. It's it's a much less barrier to entry from the patient. Oh, it's just a rod in my bone. That's mm. so much better than the old days, so maybe I'll think about doing it now. So the number of patients who are actually having the cosmetic lengthening is more than you would think. Mm, and I, as yeah. internet and people hear more about it, it's become yeah. even more more popular. But it's a very personal thing. Yeah. A, a lot of these patients, it's, it's, they don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I can't help but uh, think about it. I was watching, you know, um, Marco Polo, a series on, on Netflix or something. And, you know, back in the day, they used to, they would uh, break young girls' feet. Yeah, because, the wrapping. Yeah, and then wrap them yep. so they would stay a certain size because, as it, like, it, uh, I guess culturally and socially, yeah. they were regarded as more of a uh, it was an auspicious thing to have yeah. small feet. I more guess. desirable or more, more desirable. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and so you know, it's interesting how those things. You know, I I felt as a kid, I was my feet were too big compared <laughs> to my friends okay. as I got older. I was happy to have big feet because yeah. it was a sign of right. <laughs> wait, wait, adult wait, things. No, but, so, but, but that's, a, that's a great point you make right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just caught up to you. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know, social uh, concepts, right. cultural right. things. Yeah. So, so it's an interesting thing. So let's say yeah. a 14-year-old child comes in with their parents for whatever problem is affecting them. Yeah. It's a much different perspective from the 14-year-old's point of view mm-hmm. than from the 30-year-old point of view sure. or the 40-year-old point of view. So my arm is a quarter inch shorter. Who's going to notice? Uh, the person who makes my shirts. That's about it. But if you're 14 and there's peer pressure and someone's bothering you or you have these perceptions about your body that, that you can't fully formulate yet because mm-hmm. you're not intellectually developed enough, you, know, you don't just blow it off and say, get over it. You'll outgrow it. You have to yep. kind of dive in and, and see what's happening there. But it, it's interesting that your perceptions, you and your feet, you, know, you, you grow out of these yeah. things. And that's part of a cool thing about being in my practice is mm. that, well, any practitioner who mm. takes care of people is everyone's an individual yeah. and the same problem person A has may be completely different than person B. And that's what makes me love going to work every day. I love it. And uh, this has been really enlightening. Um, it sounds like at the Paley Institute, there's so much to offer, so much that can be offered. Yeah. And, and uh, how do people find you? Oh, great. Okay. So www.paleyinstitute.org. That's P-A-L-E-Y. Yep. Institute.org. My name is Craig Robbins, R-O-B-B-I-N-S. I'm, I'm all over there. Um, my email is listed there. You can send me an email, call my office. Happy Great. to help. Oh, man. Uh, anyone would be fortunate to have you as their physician, and I thank Thanks. you for being my guest today. Love um, this has been another Maximum Health Quality Living. If you've missed any portion of this show, be sure to uh, check us out on any podcast. Um, and we're brought, brought to you in part by Vell Health, V-E-L-L. Uh, download it today, and um, there's some supportive care on there, holistic approaches to back pain, arthritis, and more. Vell Health, and you can look us up on vellhealth.com. Thank you for joining us. See you next time.